It's your pass first point guard and trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. For the next couple weeks, we're still three days a week, but whenever we have a show, make this show your first listen. When training camp starts, we'll be back to five days a week, your only daily trailblazers podcast, so make it a part of your daily routine now, Make it and make your first listen every single day. Tell your friends to do the same. It's, you know, your team every day as we say here. So get with it. Today's show is the fourth installment of the Locked on Blazers. Count down to tip-off. Count down to opening night. We're running down every player on the roster. Giving you a brief but thorough look at what they'll bring to the Blazers. We'll look at how they performed last season, talk best and worst case scenarios, and then we finish the episode with a discussion of expectations and a likely role with the Blazers this season. This is the fourth installment of our countdown to tip-off, countdown to opening night, countdown to when the games get going. So if you've missed the first few, check your podcast feed, check the YouTube playlist, and catch up. Today, we're coming for our respect. Talking all things Nazir Little. Little's Third season in the NBA was inarguably his best. He was a regular part of the rotation from night one. Uh, A departure from early in his career where he played for a coach that was not too apt to play rookies. And quite frankly, he was not good enough to leapfrog some of the guys in front of him. But in year three, he was part of the rotation, part of the plan from opening night. He played the first 21 games of the year, averaging double digits and minutes in all of or playing double digit minutes in all of those games, and at least 15 minutes in all of those games, except for that one weird night in Cleveland when they closed the game with four guards on the court and only played 11 minutes. But he was a regular part of that rotation until an ankle injury at the end of November knocked him out of the lineup for a week. Uh, he would miss one more game with. Uh, non-COVID illness the week before Christmas. And then he came back to the lineup. He returned to the lineup on December 27th, and he put together the best stretch of his career. Absolutely, unequivocally, the best we have seen Nazir Little play. In 21 games, from the end of December until the end of January, when his season ended, Nas averaged 11.2 points, 5.9 boards, 1.8 assists, to go with 1.1 blocks in 29 and a half minutes, shot 45% from the floor, 34% from three, and 69% from the free throw line. A truly nice stretch of games. In his final game, before his season ended, on January 25th, he probably played the best game of his season. If not, he had 22 against the Hawks but a couple a couple of nights earlier. But this was, if not his best, one of his darn best performances of the season. In that game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, scored 20 points, grabbed eight boards, dished out two assists, shot seven of 11 from the floor, including four of six from three. But he got caught fighting for a rebound with Carl Anthony Towns, and he sustained a labral tear in his left shoulder. The thing about the labral tear is that Nas came back and played a little bit in that game. It was not, like, in the moment, he kind of screamed and grabbed his shoulder, and I remember, you know, uh, being in the arena and being like, oh, he's like, that that stinks, like, he's really hurt. Nas has had so many of these little weird things happen. Here's another one, like, this, bummer. And he went to the back, and he's like, well, you know, we'll, we'll find out tomorrow, and... I, but then he came, he came out and played in the fourth quarter, inbounded the ball late in that game, and an eventual loss to the T-Wolves. And it was like, oh, maybe it's just a stinger. You know, maybe, like, I didn't, you know, in the live and in the arena, you don't get replays of injuries like that. So it's like, oh, maybe he's fine. Uh, afterwards, he told reporters that he was just, uh, he was just being dramatic, right? Like, he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I, I overreacted. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be cool. And then the next day, he had an MRI, and it was revealed that he had a, that tore his labrum in his left shoulder, 
That was January 25th, and his season ended. He finished his third season with career highs, averaging a career high, 9.8 points, a career high, 5.6 boards, career high, 1.3 assists, and, and a career best, 25.9 minutes per night. Shot 46% from, from the floor, 33% from three, and 73.4% from the free throw line. Uh, a week after that injury, February 1st, he had surgery to uh, repair the torn labrum in his left shoulder. His season was done. And then, kind of out of nowhere, in the first week of May, the team announced it in a press release, is how we learned about it, that he had a in, he had surgery to, uh, to fix a core injury that he had apparently been playing with. Not dissimilar, in fact, described the same way in the press release with the same language as the surgery that uh, Damian Lillard had had earlier that year. So Nas is expected to come back. Uh, you know, he's he's been out in the practice court. People have, you know, plenty of people have been at the PF said he's out there and, and looking bigger and stronger and all of those things. Everyone's. It's like summertime muscle watch stuff, but uh, I kind of take that with a, the biggest grain of salt I could possibly imagine. But he'll be ready to go at training camp. Um, he'll be he'll be he'll be ready to take advantage of what should be the most important year of his career, and it's the most important year of his career for a variety of reasons. One, pretty much every year is like when you're under twenty five is like increasingly under thirty, even increasingly the most important year of your career. It could be argued every year is increasingly more important because that's how the league works, but. Also because this is a this is a contract year for Nas. He's actually extension eligible right now. Uh, for rookies, the way it works is that you are extension eligible up until opening night. Uh, I think the cutoff this year is, is maybe the night before opening night. But basically before the games start, he is eligible to sign a contract extension. If he doesn't sign a contract extension, he will still be a restricted free agent in in uh, this this coming summer, in the summer of 2023. The Blazers will have his bird rights. They'll be able to match any offer he receives. They'll be able to pay over the salary cap to retain him. It's not a big deal. Like, he would he could still have a long and uh, special Blazers career regardless of that. But he's extension eligible this summer. Like, you can sign rookie extensions prior to the start of camp. And I think what's what would be the holdup here is kind of the difference in what's... Um, what is a good deal for the team and what is a good deal for Nas? Um, you know, in a previous episodes this summer, I have thrown out the number like four for 60, say 50, $15 million a year is like a good deal for Nas. He should take it and run away. But the, but like, what is, what is he have to really say I'm worth $15 million a year other than potential, right? But from the team side, you're talking, you have to balance production with potential availability with ability, right? Like Nas has had a variety of injuries. He just, um, while he was really good for a stretch of 20 games, that's a stretch of 20 games where he's looked like he can be like a high level, you know, NBA starter. He doesn't have a lot to point to. So if you're the Blazers, like if, if the, if I'm saying 60, you got to think the Blazers are saying like, how about four, four years, $40 million, $10 million a year is not starter money in the league. Um, it's not even, it's it's bench money, right? Like it's bench player money. That'd be getting paid like a bench player. If Nazir Little fancies himself better than that and thinks he can outperform that, there's pretty much, there's not a lot of incentive for him to pick up that money. The incentive is like, he's had a lot of injuries. He's like, there's there could be some reason to just take the $40 million. Still life-changing money, generational money. Like your grandkids, grandkids are going to be doing pretty well if you make $40 million in one summer or over the sign a contract for $40 million in a summer. Certainly. But there is more, it's like the NBA is crazy, right? Like even the, even the role players are making 60 and $80 million, $20 million annually for being the, fifth best player on a team um it's it's out there to be had and Nas can bet on himself and go get it if I had to guess 
he bets on himself, right? Like the incentive is to go out and play with an opportunity in front of him, a big minute opportunity and a starting role potentially there for him to go make your money and get paid. Go make your money and and, and be, uh, you know, and, and earn it this this summer or earn it this year and get paid next summer. There is a world where he signs an extension. If I had to guess, I bet he won't. Uh, when Sean Hyken was on this podcast earlier this summer, he he said 51% Nas might sign the contract. So Hyken is, you know, pretty plugged in. So if, if he's leaning that Nas might, I would probably on the other side, I'm leaning that he probably won't for the reasons I just detailed. But so much of what Nazir's payday might look like, either in the coming weeks here or or next summer where I think it's more likely where he starts talking contract stuff is what I want to discuss in the second segment. The best case and worst case scenarios. We're doing this for every player as we roll through these. What's the best case scenario for Nazir Little look like in year four? What's the worst case scenario look like for Nazir Little in year four? That's what we'll talk about in segment number two. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And what a time to bet on all your sports action. It's football season, y'all. We made it. We got here. College football rolling along. Uh, the NFL rolling along for the next four months. All weekend long. You can get more lines, more props, more odds on all things gridiron. If you don't want to bet on football, all the other sports are waiting there for you. So don't wait. Go take advantage today. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. Let's talk Azir Little, best and worst case scenarios. These are always a caveat up top. I'm going to do these with all of these just to make sure if you're jumping in wherever, you know the deal here. We're talking within reason and without injury. Within reason is like the context of his employer and his co-workers. Uh, Nazir Little, like his best case scenario exists based on his role within the team. And the worst case scenario is without injuries. We're talking worst case scenario that happens on the court. Everyone's worst case scenario is their body breaks down. We're talking basketball stuff only when we're talking best and worst case scenarios. So what's the best case scenario for Nazir Little? It's that he's the answer at small forward. He's the answer at small forward from night one. He's the answer from small at small forward in night 41. He's an answer at small forward in night 82. He's the answer at small forward in the playoffs. He's the guy. And he's the guy because his length and his defense all scream that he deserves it and his production matches it. He's a defensive menace, an elite offensive rebounder and a slasher that sees an uptick in three-point shooting from a career 31.7 three-point shooter. He jumps up to 36, 37% shooting a night and he can guard four positions. Stick them on point guards, no prob. Shooting guards, no prob. Small forwards and power forwards, no problem. And in a pinch, Nazir Little is versatile enough on defense to hang with the non-Embiid, non-Jokic centers if you really need him to. The best case scenario is that his strengths as a straight line driver and a glass cleaning enthusiast are complemented by a tighter handle, a budding playmaking game, and that improved shooting. He becomes a absolute menace in the open floor, a terrifying straight line driver. If you give him a second side in a lane to get the rim, he's already so good at it and he continues to grow in those spots. But the best case scenario is that those skills that he already has, while they are sharpened, they are complemented by a better handle so he can get where he wants to go, not just on straight line drives, but a couple different moves. He's got a pretty good pull-up game. In fact, he's a much better mid-range shooter than he is a shooter from, say, the corners or above the break threes. It's that that shooting, that the mid-range touch, gives him more versatility and more more ways to beat a defense on on the offensive end and makes him a a half court just a half court problem in a way that he really hasn't been 
it's those skills that sharpen with the added skills of of uh, of shooting, with the added skill of, of that better ball handling I talked about, and the added skills of playmaking. He showed a little bit of um, improvement for, for to be certain as a playmaker, but he's not a natural passer. He's someone who's improving there. And the best case scenario is that those skills that he doesn't quite hasn't hasn't quite harnessed are coupled with the skills that he has, and that he is just the two-way wing that everyone dreams of. The best case scenario for Nazir Little is that he is an NBA starter, and this year he is an, an emphatically makes an emphatic case to be that NBA starter, and it is obvious from night one, and it is obvious throughout the year, and because it's so obvious, he gets the bag in the offseason. The best case scenario for Nazir Little is that he is a he is a core piece of this group going forward. He's going to be 23 at the end of next season, 23 as he enters the summer. A 23-year-old with a big payday and a guaranteed spot as a starting small forward on a team on the rise, that's the best-case scenario for Nazir Little. What's the worst case? Is that he regrets not taking the money this summer. Whether the Blazers and Nazir Little's representation ever get to the stage of, like, actually negotiating. I assume, the like, the way this typically works is, like, Hey, what ballpark are you in? Hey, we're here. What ballpark are you in? Hey, we're here. All right. Well, you know, if you're not willing to get closer, no reason to talk. The only time that team and representation really talk, like really get to like true sit down negotiating is when it's close. But the worst case scenario is that Nazir Little regrets that it never got close. He regrets not taking the money because the worst case scenario is that he proves he's mostly an undersized power forward. He doesn't have the floor-stretching skills and the ball-handling skills to play on the wing, and that he's probably more suited to be a four, someone without the ball in his hands and more as like a pick-and-roll type of garbage man threat than a true NBA wing. It's The worst-case scenario is that while he still is clearly a long-term NBA contributor, because I truly believe his floor is like play a decade in the league— it's that he proves that he's not a starting level talent, that the lack of shooting and the lack of wiggle limit his half-court impact, and that while he remains a physical menace and a, and a really outstanding athlete, that the complementary skills and the complementary sort of parts that you would need to make that athleticism truly pop never come around. The worst case scenario is that Nazir Little looks a lot like the Nazir Little of most of his career, someone who is promising and intriguing but doesn't have the production to match it the worst case scenario for Nazir Little is that Josh Hart and Gary Payton II and Justice Winslow are all better options at small forward and instead of grabbing the reins of being the small starting small forward from training camp and holding on through the rest of the season he's someone who finds himself dropping to seventh eighth man in the rotation because there just simply are better options at that spot the Blazers need either more offense or better defense or more versatility there. And as your little while, you would hope that he f he checks all of those boxes. The worst case scenario is that he doesn't quite do it. And that while the Blazers ne desperately need length and, and athleticism on the wing is that Nas doesn't, over Nas's physical gifts don't allow him to overcome guys who are just more talented. You need Josh Hart's ball handling and offensive ability that are better. You need Gary Payton's point of attack defense, which is better. And you need Justice Winslow's strength and ability to guard bigger wings. The worst case scenario is that each of those guys, for different reasons, becomes a slightly better option when the Blazers are posed with specific questions that you hoped Nas would answer. Instead, it's someone else on the roster. The worst case for Nazir Little is that he's part of the plan every night, but much like his last two seasons in the league, he's part of the plan because he's like pretty good and you want him on the court, but he doesn't demand it. He doesn't absolutely grab those, grab his, the spot that is right there for the taking and not, and fail to let go. Instead, he just 
lets go, fails to hold on, the exact opposite. That's the worst case scenario. The point of doing these is to set the poles. The best case scenario is if everything goes right, within reason, within context, this is what Nas looks like. An absolute surefire two-way wing that every team covets. And the worst case scenario is that he's like a rotation guy. He's just like, he becomes a dude. And I think his, like I said, the worst case scenario for Nazir Little is that he's simply that. He's like a long-term NBA player, but he's not a long-term NBA starter. What I want to do to close the show is talk realistic expectations and role for Nas. We've set the poles of best case and worst case scenarios. Now let's talk where the pendulum swings. Is it towards that best case or is it towards that worst case? That's what we'll do to close the show. But before we do that, I want to tell you about a fun thing coming up on the network. Nikola Jokic, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is the best player in the NBA? Well, the Locked On Network plus the odds makers at Bet Online are bringing you the 50 best players in the league. Which players move the needle? Which players impact the betting lines more than anyone else? It starts on September 19th. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun. We'll count down the top 50 players in the league. It's available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Don't miss it. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Let's talk Nazir Little. Set the polls. Best case, best case scenario and worst case scenario. I usually do those in opposite order if you're watching on YouTube. I usually best case is usually on this side and worst case on the other side. But regardless of which way I'm using my hands, let's talk about where the pendulum swings. Where is Nas going to end up? I'm a pretty big believer in Nazir Little. And I understand my biases. I know where he went to college. I know which town I know which town I grew up in. But even beyond that, I think the Nazir Little that flashed in those 21 games from December to February is pretty close to replicable. That's why I'm a big believer in him getting there. Now, those 21 games are not totally applicable to what the season's going to be like this year. Damian Lillard wasn't there. CJ McCollum missed a chunk of that time. Uh, the trade deadline came and Norman Powell and Rocco were gone. There was just like Nas was, there was room for him and a little bit higher usage for him to, to kind of seize some time. He was also playing 30 minutes a night. I'm not sure he plays 30 minutes a night this year. In fact, I would say a reasonable role for him is somewhere in that 25 to 28 and more like 26 if I had to put a number on it for my expectation for him. But I think what he did in that time, uh, you know, he didn't shoot crazy above his his career average, but he shot a little bit better. Um, he didn't, it's not like he had a bunch of plays run for him. He was still, you know, the third and fourth option with Josh Harden and uh, and Amphrey Simons on the court and, and a whole bunch of Nurk action on the court too. Like, I think it's pretty replicable. I, you know, the minutes might be there and you might see a slight downtick in usage, but he was still a relatively low usage guy, below league average in usage during that stretch as well. Like, he's... I think he can do something that's not too dissimilar from that. Now, you know, 12-6-2 is what he averaged during that stretch. I think that's probably numbers-wise a little bit too high, but he'll be close to that because I think that's pretty reasonable for what he does. He's a really good offensive rebounder. He's better on, on the offensive glass and the defensive glass, but he's still a darn good defensive rebounder for his size. He's got some real defensive versatility. Um, he's improved as a shooter every year in the league, and I think he continues to take steps. And I project him to be the starting small forward from day one. Um, I think there's a world where Josh Hart wins the starting small forward role, but 
It just makes more sense that Nazir Little, um, just size-wise and skill set-wise, would start at small forward because I think Josh Hart's a little more versatile in what he can do, and that might make him more impactful as it more valuable to the bench unit than Nas, who is like not a guy who's going to run pick and rolls, right? Like he's not going to be a pick and roll ball handler. Although he has shown some aptitude to do that in very small samples. But I think not, if my expectation is that Nazir Little is the starting small forward coming out of training camp. It also makes sense from an organizational standpoint. You want the future to also be the present if you're the Blazers. You want a 22-year-old to go ahead and take that job and be good, right? Like it's it's there's real value for the Blazers if Nas wins the wins the starting role out of uh camp because he deserves it. Because then, hey, we've got this really good player who there is, we're not carving out a role for him. He has won it. He deserves it. He should, he, we're happy that he went and got it. Uh, real value not for Nas uh, winning that role. It doesn't turn 23 until February. Um, I, I'm also just a believer in Nazir Little, like, and I think I've been really consistent in saying this, so I want to say it again here. It's like, I think he's a long-term NBA starter. That's what I project him as, a long-term NBA starter. Not a star. I don't think there's an all-defense team coming in Nazir Little's future. Certainly not all-star teams coming in his future. He's, I project him somewhere like in between Mikhail Bridges and Dorian Finney-Smith. In fact, I think Dorian Finney-Smith is a wonderful sort of uh, target to aim for for Nas. That might seem like I'm damning him with faint praise. But one, Dorian Finney-Smith just got $65 million this summer. Aim for that. Aim for the bag. In addition, he was the key defensive cog on a team that made the Western Conference Finals. No one ever confused Dorian Finney-Smith with, like, the Mavs' second-best player. But you could argue he was the second-most important player on some of those teams. His defensive versatility, his reliability, get him an open three in the corner, he's going to knock it down. Give him pretty much any defensive signing, he's going to take care of it. Like, I... I project Nas as something like that. Mikhail Bridges is probably maybe like too high for to, for Nas to shoot for in year four. Uh, Bridges, you know, like could have won Defensive Player of the Year. Was was like that was that level of defender, and I don't think Nas is going to take that jump this year. But I think that's what I view him as, and why I mention Mikhail Bridges is because he's like the fourth best player on his team. But because he's so darn good as a fourth best player, you have a championship level team. That's kind of the ceiling that I see Nas achieving is like, oh, wow, he can like if he's your second best player, you're not very good. But if he's your fourth best player, you're great. There is real value in being a role player. Nazir Little doesn't have the the skill set necessarily to be a star. And the Blazers, frankly, don't need another bucket getter. They need that two-way wing. They need someone who is a 3 and D monster. And I, I think Nazir has that ability. I think he has defensive versatility. I think, you know, I, I mentioned the best case scenario that it's something like 36, 37% from three. I think there's like a, a like if you're really a believer, a true best case scenario where he pushes up towards 40% from three. But he's never been much of a shooter, like even dating back to his, his college and high school days. Like he's he's always been someone who, if he can shoot it, I think him shooting, you know, the league average was like a, a tick above 36% last year. If it's if he shoots 35.5% from three, he's real defensive, has real defensive versatility and continues like and is still this elite athlete now that like he's maybe gotten some uh, physical things taken care of with surgeries this this spring. Like I, I view him as someone who can be a very impactful starter and really useful as your fifth, the fifth best player on your starting lineup. That's I maybe there are maybe some of you out there who view Nas as much more than that as a defensive player of the year candidate as an all defense type guy and I, I'm not I don't really see that with him, 
But a high-end role player for a long time is a wonderful outcome. And it's the type of outcome that ends up with you getting paid because people need six foot five guys who can guard multiple positions, who can rebound, who can shoot. If Nas checks those boxes, and I'm not sure I think I have him checking all those boxes, but certainly some of them to some extent, my expectation for him is that he's an NBA starter and this is the year he proves it. There is a world where he is a high-end NBA starter in year four. I'm not sure I'm there with him, but I think, and I have pretty high expectations for him, at least for the way I believe what high expectations work, is that I think he'll prove to be a good, solid NBA starter this year, really consistent because his skill set and what he showed when he played his best basketball of his career is easy to replicate because his role isn't going to change that much. The ask isn't going to change that much. And what he did is mostly just shoot slightly better than he has for his career and play hard on both ends of the court. I think he can do that, and I think he can do that at a high level, and I think he's going to prove to be an NBA, a quality NBA starter this year. That's my expectation for him. Do me a favor. If you like this show, tell your friends about it, because these season previews, I think, are a great jumping-off point for, uh, for new listeners. If you are a new listener, if you're listening for the first time, thanks. I'm really happy to have you jump on board. Like, we're just getting started this season. But... In general, uh, you know, we're going to run these player previews up until the first week of, of October. As we get into training camp, we're going to go five days a week, so it'll be interspersed with some other uh, some other episodes as well. But we'll have a season preview for every single player on the roster. It's a great jumping off point to kind of get into the team if you're first getting into the team. Get into the podcast if you're first getting into the podcast. Familiarize yourself, get excited about the season, and move on from there. So, yeah. Tell your friends about this show. Tell your friends about like, hey, I really like like I really like Lockdown Blazers, and Mike over at Lockdown Blazers is doing a preview of every player on the team. Check it. Uh, Monday show. We're gonna keep it rolling. Yusuf Nurkic will be who we roll out our player capsule for on Monday. Come back for that one. Tell your friends about the show. That's how people find out about podcasts. Is is your team every day or your team three days a week? Like we're doing it right now. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.